0: Hello friends, Tom here. Uh, from wherever you are tuning in, I want to welcome you. We are beginning week two now in this series that we've entitled Teach Us to Pray, where we've been going through the Lord's Prayer primarily in Matthew chapter 6. And the Lord's Prayer, I mean, you know, it. it's this incredible, beautiful teaching of Jesus on how to pray. And we really believe that, um, that, uh, we, that God's been like inviting us in this season to, into more closeness with Him, more intimacy with Him. And that's the point of prayer. We, we talked about last week, if you, were, if you were with us, we talked about how prayer is more than just talking to God. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about it in First Thessalonians. He says, um, he says, pray without ceasing. Uh, Another translation says, pray constantly. It's this idea of continual engagement with God wherever you are, whatever you're doing, all times, all seasons, all places, pray without ceasing, engaging with God always. We want to be people who are that close to God because that's why He created us. He created us to be close to Him. And I am convinced, friends, that this is what God is inviting us into in this season as a church, corporately, collectively, and each of us as individuals. Now, uh, last week, uh, we talked about how the cornerstone of prayer is engaging with God, like I said, right? But the cornerstone of of prayer is engaging with God as Father. It's this idea of, like, you need to know who you are if you're actually going to pray. And because of Jesus, because of who He is, because of what He has done, His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, His ministry, because of who Jesus is and what He's done, we now have the ability to relate to God as Father. So when we talk about prayer as engaging with God, we talked about how the cornerstone of prayer is relating to God, engaging with Him as Father, okay? So today, we're gonna keep rolling through the Lord's Prayer. I'm excited about this. Um, In Matthew chapter six, but before we jump in, I just wanna take a moment and pray. So wherever you are tuning in, if you just join me right now, you can pray for me, that'd be great. I'm still not stoked on talking to a camera, Um, but either way, pray for me, pray for our time. Let's let's do this, let's pray. Uh, Father, just really grateful for Jesus right now. Uh, Grateful for the love that you have for us. Our desire is we wanna be closer to you. We wanna be more intimate with you. We want you to teach us to pray all the time, an an unbroken fellowship, an always engaging life with you. Um, So would you help us, please, Holy Spirit? We need you. Um, Help me not get in the way of anything that you want to accomplish right now. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so Matthew chapter six, starting in verse nine. Let's jump into the Lord's prayer. This is the words of Jesus. He says this, Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is such a beautiful piece of scripture. Like I said before, this is, the, this is the greatest teaching on prayer that's ever been, from the greatest teacher that ever was, God in the flesh, Jesus. There's so much here. We're going to take an entire series to break down all of this. Today, we're going to focus on that line found in verse 9, your name be honored as holy. Okay, uh, the, 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 the more traditional translations say, hallowed be your name. So, what does that mean? What does what your name be honored as holy? What does hallowed be your name? What does that mean? Now, um, I wanna jump into the Greek here for just a moment because I think it's important. Now, <clears throat> uh, the Greek word there where it talks about being, uh, honoring his name as holy, the Greek word there is hagasio, And hagasio comes from the adverb in Greek, hagios. Now, uh, William Barclay, he's a, he's a famous Bible commentator Regarding hagios, he says this, quote, hagios is the word which is usually translated as holy, but the basic meaning of hagios is different or separate. So a thing which is hagios is different from other things. And He's gonna give some examples here. He says this, a person who is hagios is separate from other people. So, a temple is hagios because it is different from other buildings. An altar is hagios because it exists for a purpose different from the purpose of ordinary things. God's day, the the Sabbath, right? God's day is hagios because it is different from other days. Priests are hagios because they are separate from other people. So, he says... This petition, right, your name be honored as holy, hallowed be your name. This petition means let God's name be treated differently from all other names. Let God's name be given a position which is absolutely unique. Now think about that for a second. Absolutely unique That means God's one of a kind. That there's nobody like Him. So, it uses the specific phrase, His name. What does it mean that God's name is one of a kind? Let's talk about the name. Now, in the context with which um, the New Testament was written, uh, the cultural context, it it was Hebrew, okay? Now, in Hebrew... They use names very differently than you and I use names in American, modern American culture, okay? In Hebrew, a name had a much deeper meaning. It was more than just what you call someone, right? So my name's Tom, so if you, were to, if you were to try to get my attention, you would call out my name. If you saw me, you'd say, hey, Tom, what's going on? Like, in our culture, a name is pretty much limited to what we would call someone, what they go by, right? Now, in Hebrew... The name is different, it's so much more. In Hebrew, a name means like the nature of, of a person or, 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 or the character of a person or their personality. In other words, the name is like, it's, it's what a person is like. It's their essence as a person. So an example for you, all of us familiar with Jesus, right? Jesus, his name in Hebrew Is Yeshua. And Yeshua, the Hebrew name for Jesus, translated to English is Jesus, right? So it's where we get Jesus. Yeshua, what that literally means is it literally means that Yahweh saves. Yahweh is is the name that God gives himself in the Bible, okay? So the God of the Bible's name is Yahweh. And Jesus' name literally means Yahweh saves. I'll give you another one quickly. Really quick, I will spend some more time on this, but think about the implications of that. Jesus' name, his character, his personality, his nature, his essence, who he is, what he's like is described in his name, and his name literally means God saves. I'll give you another one really quickly. Uh, We're all familiar, hopefully, with the Apostle Peter. Peter's name originally was Simon, if you remember, right? Simon, in, in Matthew chapter 16 Jesus gives Simon a different name. He says in Matthew 16, verse 18, he talks to Peter and he says, You are Peter. And he says, On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. You see, that name Peter, what it literally means is rock. So you have this guy named Simon and Jesus renames him Peter because he would be the rock that God would that God in the flesh would build his church on. So he renames Peter and he renames Simon Peter, which is rock. So his name literally means a name describes a person's nature, character, personality, right? You get it? What they're like, their essence. So, when we pray, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. When we pray that, it means that we're recognizing on deep levels, we're recognizing who God is in all of His uniqueness. We're giving Him the unique place which His nature, His character deserves and demands. He's holy, right? He's different, He's separate. There's nobody like Him. We honor His name, His essence as holy, as different, as absolutely, utterly unique. Now, quick note for you. Uh, If you've spent any time in the church or even around Christians, you've probably heard somebody end their prayer or finish their prayer with something like this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, right? And maybe you do that too. Maybe, Maybe you pray in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of your prayers as well. Uh, If that's you, why do you do it? Why do you end your prayer in Jesus' name? Amen. Why do people, maybe in our church family or people that you know, why do they end their prayers that way? Listen, hear me say this. It's not a bad thing at all to end your prayer that way. It's actually a really great thing. But if you don't know what it means, it's empty. And listen... It's not just like a code word. It's not a password. It's not like a spell. There's deep meaning to it. Listen, um, every year, I take at least one trip to Africa. Usually it's to, well, every time I've gone to Africa, I'm always visiting uh, churches that we dearly love, like like Harbor City uh, in Durban, South Africa. They're part of our family of churches, the restored family of churches. We'll go visit them, minister to their church, um, and receive uh, love and care from them as well, like at least once a year. Um, we have de- we have dear friends, West Point Church, also in, kind of near Durban and Kloof. Uh, <clears throat> we, we have dear friends and spiritual family in Africa. So typically, at least once a year, probably usually about twice a year, I'll make a trip out there. And listen, like I, every time I go, I'd go on these long flights. Now listen, if I wanted to like, you have to fly to get there. If I wanted to fly to Africa, okay, I could flap my arms as hard as I wanted to, and I'm not going to fly to Africa. I'm not going to get there, okay? Have you ever seen the commercials, Red Bull, right? It's supposed to give you wings. I could down as much Red Bull as my body would enable, like before I barfed and I still like, there's no amount of Red Bull that would give me enough wings to get to Africa. As hard as I flap my arms, as much Red Bull as I drink, I'm not going to fly to Africa, okay? But if I I get in an airplane, I can fly to Africa. You see, it's being in the airplane is what brings me to Africa. Being in Christ, my friend, is what brings us to God. In the same way, being in the airplane is what brings you to Africa. Okay, it's 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 being in Christ that reconciles us to God, that brings us to God. It's 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 Jesus's merit, not my own. It's His performance, His perfect righteousness that he clothes me in by faith, by trusting him, that now reconciles and brings me to God. It's not my own merit. It's not my own righteousness. It's not my own performance. And the same is true for you and every other human being. Only in the airplane can we get to Africa. Only in Christ can we be reconciled to God the Father, okay? Now listen, the same principle applies to prayer. Remember, Prayer is engaging with God, okay? So when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying in the nature of Jesus, in the same character as Jesus, in the same like personality as Jesus, with what he's like. We pray the same way that Jesus would pray, okay? So listen, in other words, when we pray in Jesus' name, we're engaging with God because of Jesus, so based on his merit, right, like in Jesus' name, in him, because of his performance, because of his grace, because of his body and blood in our place, it reconciles us to God. So when we pray, we're engaging with God because of Jesus, not because of our own merit, and I'm praying what he would pray in his likeness, in his essence, Okay, the key word here, when we talk about being in Christ or praying in Jesus' name, the key word there is in. We're we're in him. So, keeping with this same theme of name, um, I don't know if you know this, but if you've spent time reading your Bible, you've probably come across some places where you'll see where it says Lord, L-O-R-D, in all capitals. L-O-R-D, all capitals. Whenever you see Lord, in all capitals, in your Bible, what's happening there is that is taking the place of God's name. Okay, we referenced that a little earlier, Yahweh. Okay, if you remember the story in Exodus chapter 3, it's this really, really cool story of God revealing himself to Moses through the burning bush. If you spend any time in Sunday school and church, you know this story. But God shows up to Moses in this burning bush, and he basically tells Moses, hey, like, I'm, I'm setting you apart for something. I'm sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh in Egypt to lead my people, to lead the Israelites out of, out of slavery, out of bondage. Okay? And Moses is like, whoa. Like, he doesn't really see it coming. And he goes, okay, well, like, who should I say sent me when I go to do this? Like Who should I say? Like, what, 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 should, what should I call you? Who, who's sending me to do this? And God's response is classic. God's response is, I am. Tell them, I am sent you. So when Moses asks God his name, God says, I am. You see, God's name, Yahweh, it's it's based on that. It's based on I am. And remember, in Hebrew culture, the name has a deep meaning. The name is the nature of the character, the personality, what someone's like, their essence. So for just a moment, I want you to consider something. I want you to consider the implications of God's name being I am. You remember, uh, if you've ever seen the, the Disney cartoon, The Lion King. Remember, Hakuna Matata is like one of the songs, right? Hakuna Matata means no worries. I am Do you know what it means? The implications? It means if God is I am, it means there's no beginning. Like, He always has been. It it means no end. Like, God always will be. It means He's constant. It means He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And listen, that means he cannot be improved. Think about that. He's absolutely unique. Now, the implications of God's name being I am, I mean, they're practically endless, okay? Regarding this idea of the implications of God's name, his essence, his character, his nature being I am, John Piper says this, quote, This means... God is the most important and most valuable reality and person in the universe. He is more worthy of interest and attention and admiration and enjoyment than all other realities, including the entire universe. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, listen, to get the most out of this aspect of the Lord's Prayer that we're working through, we need to talk about what's known as contemplative prayer. Contemplative prayer, so like to contemplate, right? Contemplative prayer essentially is examining who God is, examining His aspects, examining His actions, examining His name, if you will. Remember, all of His aspects, His nature, His character, His personality, His essence, Um, Earlier this year, right before COVID hit, actually, um, I spent about a week in Istanbul in Turkey, and uh, I I had two of my favorite people in the world that were with me, went on this trip to to meet with some some fellow church leaders from around the world and some local church leaders about how can we work together to bring the gospel um, to a people group, specifically around the Silk Road area. Um, how do we bring the gospel? How do we work together to bring the gospel um, to a people group that desperately is lacking, like kind of boots on the ground? So we went to Istanbul to do that. And on the way home, uh, we spent two days, I think it was two days, in, in Rome, in Italy. And our last night there, I believe it was our last night there, I had the best meal of my entire life, Okay. I have my two buddies with me, like I said, two of my favorite people. We're sitting around the table. We go to this wonderful restaurant that a mentor of mine recommended. And we sit down. I'm excited. You know, I love Italian food. And we open the menu. And I think it was on the front page of the menu. um, It had like the chef's special, right? And the chef's special was essentially like the chef is going to bring you a multi-course meal. And it's going to include it. We ended up doing it. It included, like, multiple appetizers, uh, multiple pasta dishes, meat dishes, desserts. Every single course had a little bit of wine that was paired specifically for each of the courses. Listen to me. I cannot exaggerate on this. It was the best meal I've ever had in my entire life. Okay? I've never really done the, like, multiple courses thing other than, like, Cheesecake Factory where you maybe get an appetizer and you split an entree and then you get cheesecake. This was like multiple courses, and it was delicious. Every single course was stellar, and I'm doing it with, like I said, two of my favorite people. It was the best meal of my life. We spent hours at the table, okay? Hours at the table enjoying this meal. How many of you know there's a difference between eating and tasting. There's a difference between drinking and tasting. You see, the thing with tasting is you have to take your time. You have to slow down. There's a reason why we spent hours at the table for this meal, okay? When we talk about contemplative prayer, contemplating, it's a lot like tasting. It takes time. You have to slow down. It requires focusing your attention. And listen, when you taste something wonderful, like I did that night, every single course of that meal, when you taste something wonderful, you know what the outcome is? You savor it. You savor it. You enjoy it. Listen to me. The same thing is true with God. The outcome of contemplative prayer, of engaging with God, of contemplative prayer, the outcome is you will savor Him. You will recognize, first and foremost, who He really is. We talked about it last week. He's he's the, the, the best Father that there's ever been and ever will be. He's the most gracious being ever. So gracious that he would would give his son to the world, to people who reject him like me, who treat him like an enemy, to redeem us and reconcile us to himself, to forgive us of our sin. Gracious, loving. The outcome of contemplative prayer is you will honor his name as holy. You will recognize his uniqueness. You will savor him. Contemplative prayer requires slowing down. It requires taking time. And the result of contemplative prayer is you will honor God's name as holy. It's a byproduct. So, I have to ask you, how much time and energy would you say that you spend in contemplative prayer? You see, it's tough, because our culture, man, it it conditions us to move fast. Always, God, go, 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 fill every every, every little piece of your schedule, fill it up. Go, 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 go. There's no time, there's no space to contemplate the God we're attempting to engage with. see, the outcome of contemplative prayer, examining God, who He is, what He's done, it results in worship. In ascribing the most worth to Him, honoring His name as holy, as different, as set apart, as a cut above in a league of His own, contemplative prayer, when you examine Him, who He is, what He's done, it results in worship. It results in praise. You can't help it. He's so utterly unique. There's no one and nothing like Him. And not only is He holy and and just unlike anything else, but He has a love for you that is unparalleled. Contemplative prayer. It's important. So, this week, I'll leave you with this. I wanna challenge you, my friend. I wanna challenge you this week to take a moment to contemplate, like slow down enough, take time to contemplate who God is and what he's done. Contemplative prayer, do it with him. You're engaging with him and, and contemplate who he is, what he's done, and listen, the best way to do that, and this is my opinion, the best way to do that is to examine Jesus. Okay, examining Jesus, Colossians talks about how he, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Okay, he, he, makes, he, he makes God known to man in terms that man can understand as a man. Get it? Like, he's the image of the invisible God. So here's what I, I want to invite you to do. Spend some time uh, and carve out some time and read, read some of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, anywhere in there. Okay, and read it slow. Don't like, like, actually taste it. Don't just eat it. You know what I mean? Don't just devour it. Don't just read through it. Taste it. Read it slow. Engage slowly. Because listen, as you behold God for who He is, His utter uniqueness, His holiness, His grace, His compassion, His care, His power, His fatherly love, man, it will come into greater focus, more clarity. And the outcome will be praise and worship and adoration and gratitude and closeness and intimacy between you and Him. There's power in contemplative prayer. Hallowed be your name. Your name be honored is holy. That's the outcome. Let me pray for us. Father, our desire is to see you more clearly. Um, So Holy Spirit, I ask you to, to help us with this. Teach us to pray. Teach us to contemplate. Teach us to examine the glory and the beauty and the majesty of who you are. Because as we do that, the outcome will be we'll be able to savor you. We were created to savor you, to enjoy you. So help us not to rush through life. Help us to to not try to find time, but to make time. To slow down and to contemplate. To engage with you and contemplate every aspect of who you are and what you've done. And God, my prayer is that as we do that, we would become people. In an ongoing, every day, every moment, engaging with you and being able to, 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 to honestly and authentically hallowed be your name. Like, honor your name as holy. Because I'm, it's what you deserve, you're worth it. And it's what we were created to do. And the result of that will be great joy and peace and security that we experience. So would you help us in this, Lord? Teach us to pray. I love you, Jesus. Thank you that I get to be part of this church. I miss them. Would you bring us together soon, please? Amen. Friends, I love you dearly. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you next time.